Hello, sci-fi fans. This is Katie Sackoff, and you're listening to Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Live long and prosper. Bad feeling about this. So say we all. This is going to get pretty interesting. Define interesting. The God of God, we're all going to die. Only try to realize the truth. There is no spoon. You are listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, and now, from the end of the universe, bringing you the latest in science fiction movies and television shows, here are your hosts. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode nine, followed by six. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And hello, I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And we are here to bring you news and some interviews. We're going to have a couple of people we're going to talk with tonight. And we're just going to have a fascinating time doing it. So, Miles, how you been, man? It feels like forever. This two-week thing is bothering me. I know, and I hope, you know, I mean, I'm glad you're helping your wife, uh, with uh, the Haitian connection. It's a very worthy uh, cause to yeah. be helping with. And my sister's involved in there somewhere. Yes. Um, and uh, so you, you've got a lot of life things going on. But. I do. I do. But I tell you what, Miles, I really appreciate you stepping in with the first ever dessert menu. It was really nice. Really nice job for, you know, kind of just doing it on the fly. There it was, the uh, you know, give the old college try. I still feel like the, you know, um, the, I still feel like the Garth and you're the Wayne, but, um, you know, that's okay. I think that you did a fine job. And so, you, really, you really did. But I want to keep our, 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 our dear listeners informed of what's going on in sci-fi and just uh, pique their interests. In, uh, There's nothing on. wrong with that, Miles. Mm-hmm. By the way, I have a new follower on Twitter that you might enjoy. Oh, oh really? Do tell. Yeah. Right, right. Well, I, I thought of you um, – because I remember my very first shore leave convention, and we were walking through the dealer room, oh, yes. and something that, that 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 really you kept staring at fondly. Um, wait, wait, no, it wasn't fondly, me? was it? It was with revulsion. Anyway, Gay Spock is now following me on Twitter. So well. uh, you know, you know, here's the thing. You know, I'm if people want to live that lifestyle, by all means, it, it's their choice, right? And so I certainly. I don't begrudge them that, you know, that's the place that they're at in life. Uh, but there's something about when they take the characters that we've grown mm-hmm. a, a, to, to love a, 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 in the real world. And as far as we know, Spock was never gay. And so, mm-hmm. and so I just have a problem when they kind of twist that to kind of fit their genre to make it fit. I'd had a problem when they did it with Stargate. I know there's a whole fanfic with Stargate. I might get hate mail from this, but I just feel like, there are plenty of characters in the genre already that are gay, right? Right. And if you want to explore that with them, great, do it. That's your business. Right. I guess maybe the other thing is there's uh, there's not a lot of mainstream characters that are. That- no, but I think that's that's probably, you know, that's that we'll probably see more of that. I mean, I know in the comic book world, there's uh, we're seeing more um, – you know, lesbian gay characters. And, and, I, and I do. And, 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 and you know, if you're, fa- if, if you're listening to the podcast tonight, I do want you to know, uh, Gay Spock, that I am not hammering you for who you are, all right? This is just a perception that I have about the way the Star Trek universe, and I'd be the same way with the Star Wars universe, the Stargate universe, that there are plenty of characters that kind of 
swing that way anyways mm-hmm. in and, those universes that you can kind of – But thank you for following us. Listener question really is this. What are some of your favorite moments from the first 100 episodes of the Sci-Fi Diner? Hmm. We'd love to have you share them with us. And uh, you can do that by emailing us at the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast at gmail.com. Um, and you can also call those in at one 508 4343 We are also doing a Matrix rewatch. If you didn't hear about that, April 19th will be our first episode where we're discussing movie one. And if you want to talk about the religion, philosophy, uh, favorite quotes and moments from the Matrix, how it holds up now 11, 13 years later, right. let us know. Let us know. And so that's very cool. Oh, and I did promise that I would put, put the shameless plug for the Gatecast in here. The, they're doing uh, season four, I believe. And so, Mike Crate, this is for you. Plug away. Plug, plug, plug. All right. Well, on the menu tonight, we have an awesome interview. Actually, what we're doing is kind of an extended This Week in Star Trek Miles. It is. And uh, how, how cool is that? Uh, we, we had Larry Nemechek, uh you know, with us in this week of Star Trek. Yeah, he just kind of blew right in there. I mean, like, he's like, he kind of hijacked the entire thing. And we were glad for that hijacking. Uh, Larry's presence is always welcome when we're talking Trek. I mean, he, he, he if anybody has insight into Star Trek, it's going to be Larry Nemchek. Yeah, and if, if you're going to have someone transport into something, you want Larry Nemchek to be doing that. Absolutely. He's, yeah, so, so we have him on, mm-hmm. and it's kind of in place of an interview tonight. It right. is an interview. It it's is an interview, but... Uh, some good insight, and uh, wow, some good insight into some cons he's going to be at, and, and this little documentary that he's going to be doing mm-hmm. on on a con that was kind of a fiasco, but then ended up not being so, maybe. The con that almost wasn't. We, of course, have our new trivia, or our trivia from last time, and let me tell you, haven't been a lot of takers yet on it, so really? people obviously don't want the Tamil Pennicut. I mean, I think he's a pretty good-looking guy, you know, man crush stuff, right? But mm. Tamil Pennicut, nice guy. If you like Dollhouse, I know that, Jen, uh, you're watching it from New York, I think, watching Dollhouse, and, you know... If you like Dollhouse and you like BSG, this is a print, a signed print from him. It's actually a signed BSG print from him. Right. I mean, I, I always enjoyed both of his characters in those shows. I thought he was the conscience of each show. Um, and um, I just thought it was kind of uh, amusing that the, the woman at the sci-fi convention was kind of like the uh, babysitter at the interviews. She just referred to him as, as a young hot guy. Right. Um the thun- um, we have some news on the new Thundercats trailer, and uh, we're going to be talking about that. Mm-hmm. Sack Off is joining BSG. I kind of screw up when I'm talking about uh, <clears throat> Terry Pratchett, and so we'll talk about that just a little bit. Uh, in movies, can Will Smith and his son get M. Night Shyamalan back on track? He's released a couple movies that people haven't been real happy with, although you mm-hmm. know what? People are going to hate me for this. I did enjoy The Happening, and I certainly enjoyed Last Airbender. They may they weren't his best movies, but I enjoyed them. Mm-hmm. And again, people will think that I'm probably uncracked. We're going to talk about the 14 <laughs> wild and crazy secret government programs in sci-fi flicks. And we're going to talk about some gadgets that actually are in real life. Eight once amazing sci-fi devices that now are inferior to real life gadgets. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have to debate the whole inferior thing, won't we, Miles? There, there's some... There's probably a couple things I might not agree with on that. Yep, and Miles is going to bring us a twist. Uh, we're going to have some news on the new Star Trek film, which is on schedule, and and uh, Robert Orkey talking about your criticism of the film a little bit. 
Uh, we're going to be talking about the CBS Vegas con sweepstakes that you can actually win. Ooh, did you enter, Miles? I have already entered. Oh, there we go. We're going to also talk about Star Trek Phase 2 and uh, some of what they're doing. We're going to listen to a little bit of an interview that was done uh, with them in the daily. And then Miles is going to bring you his Sci-Fi 5 and 5. Mm-hmm. So sounds like a full plate, Miles. we got a lot to serve up tonight. Well, let's talk about the uh, trivia. We had a trivia question. We're giving away, as we mentioned before, the Tamil Pennicut uh, signed print. What do they have to answer in order to get that? Okay, the question we are asking is, name two Battlestar Galactica uh, actors that have guest hosted on the Big Bang Theory. And I know a lot of our listeners are fans of the Big Bang Theory, so this should not be that hard a question. This should be an easy question for yes. you. Yeah. Um, you have until April 19th to answer this question, so that's two weeks. The code word, and you have to include the code word, is... So say we all. So say we all. So send your answer with your mailing address to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast at gmail.com or call us at one 508 4343 or DM us on Twitter. And the Sci-Fi Diner, make sure you include your email with all entries, only one entry per person. The Sci-Fi Diner is not responsible for any injuries if you encounter any toasters along the way. I guess that could happen, yeah. That could happen, yeah. Right. yeah come on, real life. Well, let's move into our first promo tonight. Our first promo is um, actually for a website, so I thought I'd do something different. They actually don't have an actual promo, but this is a new site that's going to give Chris Wood's site maybe just a little bit of competition. So they're like Subspace Communicate. They are called it's Trek News, News, Reviews, and Culture, and they are located at treknews.net. Mm. So the guy contacted me. It's a pretty sharp-looking site. Okay. I'll so uh, we'll actually share a little bit of news that came through that site and just to kind of give him a little bit of plug as well. So check it out if you're looking for just another Star Trek site because you just can't get enough Star Trek news. I know I can't. Yep. So check out uh, treknews.net. <laughs> Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Tonight, we have a few news stories we're going to bring you here. And there aren't many because we ended up talking a fair amount with Larry. Mm-hmm. And uh, that takes bulk of this podcast tonight. But we do want to bring you some TV news and some movie news. And uh, and then bring you our Sci-Fi 5 and 5. Yes. So, uh, Miles, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about what's going on in the TV world in regards to Thundercats. Well, I remember enjoying Thundercats when it was on back in the mid '80s, but uh, like Thundercats, ho! Yes, yes. Uh, Lionel was that was his, it was uh, battle cry. Yeah, now you don't want to run, run around saying ho too much, but back then back it didn't then, it didn't mean the same thing. It, did, it meant something else it, yeah. it mean, that it means now. Yeah, yeah. Thundercats, ho! Well, okay, um, Miles. No, go ahead. But uh, tell us about Thundercats. Well, new Thundercats trailer sells the savage scope of of uh, combat. Felines. I just and, saw, I w- and I will embed this, by the way. So uh, you can see this this trailer um, at uh, at this past weekend's uh, WonderCon. Uh, Warner Brothers Animation and Cartoon Network unveiled a deeper look into the updated Thundercats series, which has a distinct Avatar last Airbender vibe, and that's not a bad thing in the least. Given that Avatar is the best and perhaps only recent example of, of long-form storytelling for a young audience, I'd be thrilled to pieces if this new adventure of uh, Lionel and his aides that can't manage to approach the depth of emotion and awesomeness of action that Nickelodeon's long-running series had. So Nickelodeon, huh? I guess I guess Nickelodeon's could be. It'll, it'll be on Nickelodeon then, yeah. 
Well, that'll be awesome. Well, good. Well, I can't wait to... I haven't checked out this trailer yet, so it sounds like it could be something that may be decent for my you, children. You watch with your kids? Um, yeah. I saw it. It looks pretty impressive. Um you know, we'll just have to wait and see. My son right now loves the, tr- the new Transformer series that's out. Oh, very good. Yeah, so he's uh, there's new animated Transformer series that we watched. The first one you can download for free on iTunes, and now he wants to watch the second one, and I just can't justify spending the money on it. Right. But um, very, very cool. So if any of you know where I can get that uh, on the down low and on the cheap, that would be great. Well, I think they're airing it on the Hub. I don't know if you get that on your I don't think I get Hub. That's okay. the problem. I, I, I don't think I get Hub. Mm. But but anyway, Thundercats, I definitely – it sounds like something that he would definitely be into. Oh, yeah. In TV news – well, first, I just wanted to say uh, – I was corrected – about this on Facebook, Kevin Batchelder, thank you for pointing out it wasn't Terry Pratchett that did Legend of the Seeker. It was it was Terry Goodkind. So I got my Terry's mixed up. And all you need to do is throw Terry Brooks into the mix, who does the Soro Shinar series, and all hell breaks loose. Mm-hmm. So Terry Pratchett did not do Legend of the Seeker. So I just wanted to correct it. I stand corrected, and um, sorry about that. But but holy frack, Batman, BSG's Katie Sackhoff is joining Star Wars, The Clone Wars. Now, Miles, you and I have not really been watching Clone Wars regularly. Correct. But talk about something that might make me want to watch Clone Wars a little bit more reg- regularly is putting Katie Sackhoff on Clone Wars. So tell us, what is Katie Sackhoff doing? Well, Katie Sackhoff, we... we uh, we love her, and we obviously love her as the stogie-smoking, hard-drinking portrayal of Starbuck in the reboot of Stato- Battlestar. We loved her brief appearances on the short-lived Bionic Woman reboot, and we go to the next level when we see her on Star Wars Clone Wars. Basically, this is what is said about her. Entertainment Weekly recently spoke to supervising director Dave Filoni, who was tight-lipped about Sackhoff's actual role, except to say that she was going to portray a memorable character. Doesn't say much. EW said this. Actually, there have been a number of BSG references on the show lately, like the Separatist tactical droid saying, by your command, in a la, in the, a la the old chrome stone Cylons. And, um, you know, Dave said, that's me being old because that's classic Battlestar. The Separatist tactical droids have a similar sounding voice to the old Cylons. In fact, the inspiration I had for those tactical droids was the Cylon in the original series called Lucifer. He was Baltar's advisor. I always liked the idea that this really smart droid that could calculate all the possibilities. I thought the droid army should have these brainiac droids that could wage battles based on calculations of probability, whereas Jedi are fighting out the heart and commitment to each other. Interviewer uh, uh, Christian uh, Blavolt, Blavelt, maybe, was quick to recall that once upon a time in 20th Century Fox sued the makers of the original Battlestar Galactica for copyright infringement. Um, it's amazing to see how it's come full circle with Star Wars referencing Battlestar. Sackhoff's role only cements its amazement. And um, we'll have a link to the full mm-hmm. interview here. But, you know, again, if you haven't checked out our interview with Katie, she's just a wonderful person to have there. She's a loose cannon to interview. Yes. And it's just, <laughs> but it's great to see her on. I don't know what episode it was that we interviewed her, but it was after Shore Leave last right. year. Um, but just it's, it's nice to see her doing something animated. Right. I'll, be, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely tune in and see what character she's uh, voicing. Yeah. And in movie news, the only piece of movie news we have is, is some news with M. Night Shyamalan. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
he has put out some movies that have been classified as stinkers by some. The Happening obviously wasn't received real well, uh, although I kind of liked it. And um, Last Airbender, did you see it? I have not seen it. Um, a good movie, uh, had some flaws in it, but visually it was an absolutely stunning movie. Well, Will Smith and his son are now in slated to be in his next movie. Uh, <clears throat> and so here's what the article says. Filmmakers M. Night Shyamalan has had a rough Shyamalan, Shyamalan, how do you say his name? M. Night Shyamalan? Shyamalan, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. Has had a few rough years lately. Was the three most recent films getting scathing reviews and struggling in the box office? Yes, it's not stopping the one of the world's biggest movie stars from working with him. According to Deadline, Shyamalan will direct, uh, Shyamalan will direct in an untitled futuristic science fiction adventure film that will star Will Smith, I Am Legend, and Smith's son Jaden will star in the picture alongside his dad. And just to make it complete, Film Adventure Smith's wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, is listed as one of the producers, along with her husband. Uh, um, Knight has co-written the script for the movie Book of, with Book of Eli writer, and I love Book of Eli, uh, Gary Witta, which was reportedly titled 1000 AE when he first began talking about it late last year. The tale set in the far future involves a young boy and his father whose spaceship crashes to Earth 1,000 years after it's been abandoned. Um, Knight said in a newly released statement, the chance to make a scary science fiction film starring Jaden and Will is my dream project. Will and Jaden Smith have acted together before in the pursuit of happiness, while Jaden also appeared in the ill-conceived remake of The Day the Earth Stood Still. His dad, of course, starred in the science sci-fi blockbusters like Independence Day, iRobot, Men in Black. The third MIB entry is now filming again after script problems shut production down a couple months ago. Uh, as for Knight, his last two original films, Lady in the Water and The Happening, both were critical box office disasters. His adaptation of The Last Airbender did reasonably well in the box office, but was panned uh, almost across the board by critics, moviegoers, and fans of the TV series. There's no word on yet when pr- production will begin. Do you think this is a good team up? I don't know. Do we give him another chance? Well, the concept sounds very interesting. I mean, uh, you know. Yeah. And, co- and with Will Smith, if they bring it out in the summer, it's going to be a blockbuster. And he needs a blockbuster. Will Smith hasn't had a blockbuster in a while. And, he, and, it, and, when, and to have his wife on the producing team, mm-hmm. there's obviously – they're going to be going wholehearted into this. And hopefully it gets produced well. Right. And uh, and let me tell you, having the writer Gary Witta on board – Whitta? Witta? I'm not sure how you pronounce his name. I love Book of Eli. Come on. If you haven't, you haven't seen that movie yet. I, I, I have not, I confess. It is a spiritual movie mm-hmm. with action and it's R rated. Mm-hmm. And it's good. you got to check it out. You really do. I, I'm going to put it on my list. Yeah. Hopefully Netflix is streaming it. Yeah, I don't know if they're streaming it, but you got to <laughs> check it out. We do have a couple other news stories we aren't going to cover tonight because of time. We're going to – and I'll post this of 14 wild and crazy secret government programs from sci-fi flicks. And Miles, you gave a story on on – what was it? Eight once amazing sci-fi devices that are now inferior to real-life gadgets. Mm-hmm. And we aren't going to get time to comment. I know that you disagree on some of those. Mm-hmm. But – we got to move on. Yes, we do. Yeah. So um, we're going to actually just jump in and bring you our interview with – it's not really an interview. Our chat with Larry Nemchek. Before we do that, we are going to play a promo for the Saturday B Movie Reel with Kevin, Bet- Kevin Batchelder. So if you're into B Saturday movies uh, that are kind of a B-rated, check them out. Hi, this is Kevin Batchelder. <laughs> And this is the Saturday B-Movie Reel. Do something! Shoot it! 
shoot it! <laughs> That's about describes it. Yeah. All right, everybody stay here. We look specifically at the Sci-Fi Channel's original movies. You know the ones. The ones that air on Saturday night. Even known throughout the ages as an instant classic. <laughs> we need a bigger gator! Uh, limb cutting yes. and blood squirting from... <laughs> Flying limbs, I called them. it in my notes. What could go wrong? We look on a regular basis at the movies as they come out, and since there have been over 200 of them, we do go back and look at many of them that are now out on DVD. At this point, I had completely forgotten any semblance of seeing if this actually makes any sense from a plot point of view. So come on by, get involved, and have some fun. Check us out at SaturdayBMovieReel.com. Our future depends on it. Make it safe. Welcome here to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. With us tonight, Miles, we have Larry Nimchek back again. And hey, hey, Larry, Larry, you're we, number two. You uh, try harder. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Second time's a charm, right? What is <laughs> it? No, a third time, right? We'll just have him on a third, another time. Yeah, we need it. The fourth, and yes. then the fifth, and then. And pretty soon he'll be a s- series regular, right? Larry will be Wouldn't one of be- our co-hosts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that would be okay. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, that would be that would be fun. How you doing, Larry? I'm I'm doing great, guys. I was going to say when we hit show 47, that'll be a special, you know. Oh yes, the magic number. The magic, magic number. number. Yeah. I'm lost. Just, oh, just, you know the magic number 47 for 47? Star Trek and other things. You know, see, see, why, why should I know that, Miles? Come on, you knew I didn't grow up in Trek. Well, <laughs> Miles, you know what we're talking about. Yeah, Miles does. I, I know that the, the number 47 is very significant in Star Trek. Well, it became significant because it was supposedly – it started out of Star Trek, but at, um, at um, um, college here in Southern California, a professor one time as a joke just told his class that uh, to go out and look for uh, random numbers, and they all came back and decided that 47 was the most commonly occurring random number. And okay. it grew out of that, and it was this little cult of 47. It's all over their campus now, and Joe Minoski, when he came to Next Generation, started sticking 47s into scripts. You know, like there are seven, 47 satellite pods circling the planet or, you know, uh, whatever. Fire phasers at 19 Mark 47 or whatever. And uh, it's now it's become this obsessive thing and people all laugh about it. And there's two or three people that they're on you know, Facebook or whatever tweeting about when any time a 47 shows up. But it got woven in and, and uh, uh, Orsi and Kurtzman even worked it in two or three times to the 09 script. So, so yeah. Well, very cool. See, I learned something tonight. <laughs> there you go. I, I, we I go home. Okay, good night, guys. <laughs> right, right. That, then we're good. Now, I, I do have a question. I was picking Miles' brain about this a little bit. And this oh, is about Voyager. Nice. About Voyager. Uh-huh. Why in Voyager? I'm only in season two, mind you, and I haven't watched the entire series because I'm working my way through them. But why? And this is, is, and this is your first time to It's my first time. Now, I've watched, okay. I have watched like episodes here and there, but I've never yeah. watched it as a series. Okay. So... Uh, why in season two, when they're supposed to be flying toward the Alpha Quadrant, do they keep running into the same dang villains if they're moving forward along their journey? Well, number one answer is wait till you get to season three. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but those were the Kazon who you're right. talking about there and all the different tribes. That was 
they sat down when they did their new show. Okay, well, we're in a new part of space. What are we going to do? We need some recurring aliens. And that was their big push. Well, A, nobody was really happy with them. They called them junkyard dog Klingons, you know. And B, some of the things made no sense. Like, well, if they're so poor and stupid, why do they have all these high-tech ships and they, you know, warp, they don't have transporters, but they have warp drive and blah, blah, blah. And they kind of fleshed it out. And second season, they tried to make a second go at it. And they tried to come up with this gang analogy. And Ken Biller actually wrote a, uh, a memo trying to make it like if, if it was gangs of, of space and they all had these roving packs and you know they were resource poor, but blah, blah, blah. And they came up with the whole thing about they had been – the trade or the people that had, uh, had, had, victim, had taken them over, but then they overthrew their masters. And that's how they got the advanced technology without really being familiar with it. Now, I'm I trying to remember how they trickled. I think that's in the first show of the second season where they throw that at you and you kind of get that. And they kind of climax it later on. But basically what you're saying, that's what they all kind of figured out halfway through. It's like, geez, the longer we hang around these guys, we're not moving. It looks like we're not going anywhere. Right. So, yeah. But at, So they, they, they bid them goodbye at the end. Of, they make a big climactic plot with them. They make one more big ship takeover attempt. And uh, they try to pull the thing with Seska and, and that and run that for a little bit of drama. But, you know, she was interesting, really crazy, interesting character. But being hooked up to the Kazon was kind of a, was kind of a, a, a you know, a rock around their neck. And Right, right. Very good. That answers my question. There you go. There we go. So, so hang in with it. It gets better. Oh, I know. I know. You know what? I, I'm really uh, – I kind of had this law with Voyager season two for a little bit, but it's kind of picked up here toward the, the end part of the season. So I'm enjoying it again. Yeah, yeah. So I will say that two-parter they did with, where they kind of wrapped up the whole Kazon um, you know, story thread yeah. I thought was, was, was extremely well done. Um, I thought uh well the whole idea that of, of whether Seska's baby was Chakotay's baby or not or 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 Kula's and then uh, she they kill her off and he takes the baby and oh am I am I spoiling this for you uh It's okay. <laughs> I, it's okay. I am really I, I don't get hung up in spoilers like some people do. Like you won't ruin right. it. I will still enjoy the journey of watching it. And I'll be like, "Oh, uh, that's when Larry spoiled it for me." Good. Yeah, because the, you know the the journey is the important thing. Right, it is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it begins with one step, but, uh, yeah. but it, well, <laughs> it, it'll have it'll have a good, you know, like Larry said, a good climax. Oh, good, mm-hmm. good, yeah. very good. Well, Larry, tell us what's what's going on in your world. You have some cons coming up. Yeah, well, uh, it's it's we're coming up to summer con season, and uh, I will be back at uh, the Vegas the Big Creation Vegas uh, show in August. Um, Doing a, a couple of a couple of special things. I'm I'm doing the uh, I, I call it the Star Trek.com Memorial Trivia because when we used to have the big <laughs> staff at Star Trek.com, we always did a big uh, uh, and I was consulting with them. We did a big uh, elaborate trivia show, and I kind of condensed that the last two or three years. But we we get a lot of prizes. CBS is very good to furnish prizes, and I call it Rapid Fire Trivia because it's pretty simple. But uh, doing that again, and I'm also doing a. Um, just talked to the guys uh, doing a, a presentation about the forgotten anniversary. Everybody thinks of this year as the 45th anniversary of uh, Star Trek, you know, from 1966. And they, they use that birthday for the whole franchise. But I, I like to talk about one from 1986 and not just the fact that that was Star Trek Four, you know, the Wales movie. And, and that was a big thing. But um, kind of the big decision that altered Trek fandom and the franchise itself for what we know because because – Think what happened in 86 because 4 was so, such a big deal and it had such a great crossover audience 
and because uh, the 20th anniversary stuff was happening also for the franchise, somebody got the bright idea, gee, maybe it's time we try it on TV again. Mm. Right. And thus, Next Generation was born. And that's Next Generation. And, you know, and, and the rest, as they say, is history. So I'm, gonna, I'm calling that the forgotten anniversary, and I'm going to do a presentation on some, some uh, rare stuff from Next Gen and that, that whole in-between time. So, Plus, um, Anthony Pascal is doing some um, – from Trek Movies, doing some panels. I'm going to sit on some of those with people. And uh, hopefully this year have a tweet-up, have some parties that my Trekland blog and – and LarryNemichek.com is, is co-sponsoring. So looking forward to having a lot of fun. They're moving hotels. That's going to be an interesting uh, experience for everybody, no pun intended. And uh, so, yeah, it'll be, it'll, be, it'll be more of the same but way different this year, a different feel until everybody gets it figured out. Right, right. In the Rio. The, I should mention the Rio hotels where they've right. moved it to. And where was it prior? Well, they start. You know, it's it seems like such a no brainer, but there were no conventions in Vegas, big ones. I mean, the locals had some little conventions, but the experience was there at the Hilton uh, for three or four years, from ninety seven to oh uh, one, and it took the anniversary that year, the thirty fifth, I think, uh, to have the first convention. Uh, Slanted Fedora did, and then the next year, Creation jumped in and started having it in August. And so, there's only been this big Vegas convention since. Um, uh, 02. So now it's becoming, but the experience is closed there at the Hilton, the Star Trek experience, and they ran it a couple of years without it to see how it was. And, and a lot of the vibe has been lost there. So hmm. they're changing hotels and, um, we'll, and we'll see how it goes. Hey. The, yeah. So anyway, I hope everybody can make it to that. That's, uh, the Trek, the Trek. Fo- and if you've never gone to a, uh, you know, a lot of us were sitting around wondering, honestly, what would happen when A, Enterprise was canceled and things shrunk up a little bit, and then B, the new movie and would there be new fans would there be this split you know would there be the old fans the new fans and i don't think that um the best uh, crystal ball gazers at paramount and cbs could have written the script any better because there are tons of new fans that got to vegas totally from the new that came into fan trek fandom from the new movie and not only you know you know boots on the ground walked in bought tickets and bought stuff but then started and i, I this is uh, a lot of people I talked to that weekend and a couple of years ago started turning around watching the original series DVDs and even Next Gen and getting immersed in the whole thing. So, uh, you know, it really did go <laughs> according to the evil master plan to take over the Trek world. It, it really happened. So there's been – you know, the numbers have not dragged down. The fact – I think they've the, – the cons have gotten really reinvigorated the last two or three years. So, so that's been kind of amazing. So anyway, so if you've never gone before, please – you know, I would say – you know, save your pennies and, and come. And if you can't come to Vegas, come to a to, to a con near you. Right, right. Well, there is a uh, <laughs> CBS has a, a Vegas con sweepstakes. I did enter into that, so I'm crossing my fingers. Yeah. <laughs> now, what's that? What's that? <clears throat> uh, Vegas con sweepstakes. Uh, oh, Vegas con. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, um, you know, that's right. That's right. The all expense paid trip. Mm-hmm. Yada yada. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah. See, Miles, we got to take a road trip. Yeah, I think we have to sometime. <laughs> <laughs> so. From, from you got to get out of your room there anyway, at least. Right, right. At least downstairs. Mm-hmm. You know, bake in the sun a little bit. But, <laughs> well, uh, you also have this documentary you're working at. Uh, yeah. Tell us oh, a little I, bit. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I should say, I'm going to be not as big a splash, but down at uh, Comic-Con San Diego. I'll have a signing table for a couple of slots and be wandering around and blogging and tweeting and, you know, soaking up the Comic-Con uh, splendor. And then back my uh, – that's in July – 
And then my hometown convention, SoonerCon in Oklahoma City, I'll be there the first weekend in uh, June also. Follow my home peeps and uh, doing some fun stuff there too. All right. Well, very good. So there's there's places people can find you. Yeah, yeah. And it's on my site, LarryNemichek.com. So, you know, the calendar's there. Right, right. Uh, now, I think uh, talking about your site a little bit, you, when we last talked, you were moving everything into like HD. Is that right? Well, I was – I had gotten an HD camera, so my blog's videos that I've, I've done and I've – I, I took, took a lull there because I had to beef up my um, – I had to figure out what I was doing on my computer and I had to bump up my uh, old Mac and get a new one. But yeah, I've rolled out four darn. or five since then. <laughs> said, oh, darn. It's an, old, it's an old G5, which still looks beautiful, but it's, it was the last generation power PC, so it wouldn't do HD video. So anyway right. – but um, yeah, I've got I had Ciroc Lofton and uh, John Broughton with uh, the Farragut fan series, and oh, yeah. uh, I've got some stuff with That's Chase hard. Masterson from Yesterday Was a Lie. Their party they had a couple weeks ago, and um, I've got some things with just some fans that I. All these conventions lately, the one I see uh, somebody really strikes my fancy, and I really got to get you know I, I see young girls or I see a family together, and some of these things that kind of bust stereotypes or people wonder what's going on with Trek fandom and. And uh, break down and do that. And I've got four or five of those, and I'm I'm very tardy to get them out, but I'm I'm going to get that done. So yeah, I'm real, <laughs> I'm real happy with how it looks now, and I've even figured out how to post the, the damn HD, you know, doing the widescreen. So <laughs> 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 very good then. So, well, t- tell us about this. Go ahead. Oh, Larry, is there any videos we could see now on your site? Oh yeah, I mean they're, they're all of them up there from '08 when I started. Okay. Um, yeah, no, there's probably thirty or forty. I mean, they're all they're hosted on YouTube, but uh, you know, please go to the. I wish people go to the site and leave the comments there rather than on YouTube. But people, you know, they can do either way. So, so hey, com- yeah. comments are comments, right? Oh yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Oh guys, I totally forgot. There's another convention I'm at in Lake Charles, Louisiana, the end of April. By and Justin will kill me if I don't mention this. Biocon, Biocon, uh, three in Lake Charles, which is like Western Louisiana. Uh, the end of uh, April to May, like the thirty first, thirtieth of April and first of May. It's a bit, they have a big festival in town, and this is part of that. And uh, went there last year. It was a real hoot. Very humid, but a real hoot. So, <laughs> hence the Bayou Con. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hence the Bayou Con. Down on the Bayou, yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about this, uh, the the project, the movie that you have coming out, the documentary. Okay, now because we yeah, we have to keep this kind of on the down low here okay. because I haven't really had the okay. big PR splash. So, so, so. We, so we aren't we aren't speak, we're going to speak about it in code. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just. <laughs> just <laughs> Just kick a box and type a little while we're talking. And no, oh, right, 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 right. And no, uh, no, no. I uh, this thing that happened when I was a young guy. My first big convention road trip. It's funny how these things in your life come back around in circles. Uh, went down in history. And of course, a lot more people, you know, come and gone since then, and a lot more. Sadly, a lot more uh, nefarious, infamous conventions have come and gone that had you know good intentions, but still. You know, weren't the biggest thing. The FedCon USA a couple of years ago in Dallas is one, and and every once in a while people say, "Oh yeah, I went to this thing and it bombed and whatever." In 1982, a few weeks after Rathacon opened, there had been this convention called Ultimate Fantasy because back at the time, you know, we had one cast, <laughs> no bloody A, B, C, or D. We had right. one Star Trek, one cast. Cons had been going. We'd gone through the first big ones in New York that kind of got set the mold and then people were doing more and more around the country. No one had ever had a full cast all together on one stage event. Now, since then, we've had several of them. But at the time, nobody had done this. 
this guy and his friends in Houston who had done some conventions dreamed up this idea to have everybody there. It was going to be two or three weeks after Wrath of Khan opened. And they thought it was they were going to do something special, not just have it be the old – it was a regular convention going. But they went over basically and got the arena like the NBA slash you know, wherever – in, in Houston, it was the summit where the rock concerts were, where the, where mm-hmm. the Rockets played. And rented it out because they thought thousands and thousands of fans were going to come to this thing. And it held like 16,000, 17,000. They, they, they rented the summit for a weekend. They were going to have two shows on Saturday, one on Sunday. And it was going to be an add-on to the th- – and have all the cast doing this thing. Well, it wound up that Nimoy didn't, didn't show. But everybody else was involved, including Kirstie Alley and Merritt Buttrick and Harv Bennett, you know, the new producer running the show. The sad thing was, long story short, whenever people got there, they found out that there were not thousands and thousands of people there. There were hundreds and hundreds. Hmm. And the whole thing was imploding. And you had the poor fan crew who did not know – who were not advised of this – the staff of the thing until the Friday of the weekend. Uh, and you had the fans that were there, the dealers, and you had Hart Bennett and all the Hollywood people were there. Uh, Shatner came in on his own on, on later on Friday, but every, you know, Dee and Jimmy and, and George and Walter and Nichelle and Harvey. And here's these guys going, we had nothing to do with this. We came in on best of intentions, but if this thing implodes and blows up in our face, uh, it'll look like it's us. It's start, you know, people will say, oh, it's Star Trek and it's Paramount had this big, huge you know, PR disaster. So all these circles of people got together and decided to go ahead and make the thing go, and it did. And it was you – know, on one hand, it was – I don't want to say laughable. The show went on, and instead of having 16,000 people, there's 800 people sitting there in this arena, and the regular convention went. But there's, there's all kinds of stories. That, how it fell back in my lap was out of the blue a year ago. I met a dead dog party at – at my Sooner Con back home and run into this guy who's there for other reasons, but he winds up being – he's talking. And I go, wait, wait, wait. You're talking about the, the ultimate fantasy thing? Because he used the code word, and the code word was by the end of that weekend there, the fans were all calling it the Con of Wrath. Right. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And he says that, and I, my ears perk up, and I cross the room, and I go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Because I had some pictures when I was you know, younger and all that. And he's, st- he's the tech director that was fired the day before when they were madly trying to save money. And he starts telling me these outrageous stories. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I've got to get you. I've got to interview you. I've got to get this down. And then I'm thinking, no, that's what newspaper book Larry would have said. New Larry says we've got to get this on tape, on video. And then the next light bulb went off, and I said, no. This is – I'm thinking I can get, I can get uh, Harv and, and a lot of the actors involved in on this. I can – you know, I can talk to when he told me that everybody who was involved in this still pretty much lived in Houston. I thought, oh, this is going to be my documentary. This is finally going to be the thing I'm going to do and 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 get together and hooker by crook, I'll get this done. Everyone I've told the idea to because it's kind of a you know dream debacle and then rises from the ashes kind of a story. It's crazy, and but there's a lot of human nature in it. I think it'll it'll survive. Beyond just the trekishness of it, you know, outside the fan circles, I think there's a lot of good human storytelling going on. So that's my goal, anyway. We've just barely gotten started scheduling and, and um, planning it, but we're getting the Houston legs down. But Harv Bennett and Walter Koenig are both on board for doing sit downs with me, and they were kind of of the cast, kind of the two that were key in what they planned up front, and then how they reacted to when things went south. So. Hopefully, I'll get uh, get uh, the rest on board, Walter and I mean uh, George and Michelle, and uh, looking forward to that. Hopefully, and um, 
anyway, I've got a professional editor. I've got a cameraman who are all excited about it. We're all doing it uh, you know, for a, for a very moderate budget, and then if we can build it up and build it up if, if it, things come in, which I've got every intention of having that happen, uh, have that happen. And I'm about to launch uh, just an extra page at my website and a Facebook page for it. The other thing is if people are familiar with Kickstarter and those kind of things, I've got a um, – I'm going to do a reward thing. I'm going to ask if any fans wants to – if anybody wants to throw in $5, $10, $20 in return for a screen credit and some Chotskys that we'll do, we'll announce. Uh, I'm going to open that door too. So, oh, awesome. So, you know, or, or all the way up the ladder too. I, I, I've seen some friends that have done this with some of their productions and they have like five, $5 to 2500 basically, different, like a kind of like a, a PBS telephone or something. So. Right. Only hopefully we won't be calling every night or something. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. Break into so anyway, the, I still have that. Yeah. yeah. Break into the movie every five minutes. And you too, Ken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 none of that. But anyway, have it, have it be fan accessible and uh, let people, if they want to get involved, help that. But I, I just uh, – I really think it's – I want to at least get the history recorded because it's hysterical and it's um, you know back when things were a little more naive and less sophisticated. But it's still an incredible – it's a wacky story, and um, hopefully, I can get a lot of the human, you know, the human craziness of the weekend, the, the run up, and then the uh, that weekend especially uh, down, and have it be really, really entertaining, and, and preserve a little corner of uh, a little bit of Trek fandom there. Because the last few years we did the Communicator magazine, I started realizing that a lot of early fandom history was was dying off and going away, and unless people had put their papers, but you know, their old fanzines and their own mimeoed. Uh, you know newsletters and things. A lot of things were were going to dry up, blow away. And I was trying. We we did interviews with people in the magazine in the Communicator with um, people like Shirley Mayuski who died the next year, and that ran the Well Committee, and Joan uh, Joan Winston who wrote uh, you know the making of the early Trek conventions and was there. And then she died a couple years later. And uh, I'm I'm glad we got that done. But we need to do a lot more of that because we're going on. You know, here's the scary thing, guys. Talk about the 45th anniversary this year of Star Trek. You know what that means? It means five years from now will be the 50th. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. We're at that point. Anyway, I'll take a breather. I kind of sucked all the air out. No, of that's there. fine. Um, well, why don't we move into a little bit of Trek news and talk and, okay. and get your thoughts on uh, some of that, Larry. And, uh, Miles, why don't you go ahead and read this first story? This first story comes uh, from our friends at treknews.net, which is a new site that just launched kind of, a, I guess, a competitor to Subspace Communique maybe a little bit. But um, they, they gave us this yeah. first piece of news. Go ahead. Okay. Um, according to Deadline, Paramount Pictures has scrapped a tentative plan to reboot the Jack Ryan franchise, which uh, Star Trek's uh, Chris Pine was set to star. Instead, Paramount will focus on the sequel to the 2009 uh, Star Trek film. Uh, sequel, according to Paramount, is still set for June 29th, 2012 release. While Chris Pine is a lock as a return, as Captain James Kirk, star Star Trek 2009 director J.J. Abrams, is still uncertain whether he'll return to direct the sequel. With Alex Kurtzman and Robert Orsi and Damon Lindelof currently working on the script, the film is set to begin production this fall to keep on track with the summer uh, 2012 release date. Yeah. Yeah. So the uh, the upshot of that was that they I, I saw that too a couple of days ago. I, I don't know how much they're intertwined. It sounded to me like it was more about they had delays on the Jack Ryan uh, reboot, and mm-hmm. so they just said, "Look, we got to put one in front of the other." So let's Star Trek is more, you know, got more mom- momentum, and they they've got their build on ahead of uh, you know that. So they just rejuggled their their studio thing, which happened to involve 
Chris Pine in both of them. So. Right. Hey, you know, yeah. I'm, all, I'm all for Chris Pine as, as Jack Ryan. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, I, 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 think, I think he'd be good for that too. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he differentiates. I mean, Jack Ryan doesn't have a lot of, you know, chair poses. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's true. It's true. Well, he, he's going to be, you know, I enjoyed some of all fears, but Ben Affleck was no Jack Ryan, in my opinion. No. Yeah. Uh, Alec Baldwin, I thought, did, did pretty good. And Harrison Ford, of course. Oh, yeah, definitely. None for Red Octo. I mean, yeah, these Jack Ryan. And I, I'm, I'm glad that they're talking about rebooting that. But I didn't, I didn't, know, I didn't even know that was happening. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's funny to think about the Jack Ryan stories as like a tentpole, as like a franchise. But I guess that's they're so desperate for those now anymore that they like that that familiarity. I guess for the you know for the box office. But they're going back uh, a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just now. I didn't thought about this. I just well, yeah. He's play, uh, you know, Chris is playing that, but it's really going to be because you both got kind of um, you know thoughtful but action guys. Or both of those, you know, Kirk and Jack Ryan are both that, and it'll right. be interesting to see how he differentiates as an actor between the two. Did, did you watch uh, the movie Unstoppable with Chris Pine? And no, Washington? I didn't. I didn't. I didn't see that. Uh, that's, it, that's on my list for the year that I'm still working down to. But yeah, yeah. no, it's a, it's a it was a good movie. I enjoyed it. And I, you know, every time I saw Chris Pine, it was always like, oh yeah, there's Kirk. There's Kirk because he has because there's enough of the mannerisms that are just the actor's mannerisms <laughs> that kind of play through. Right. Um, and so I, I liked it. It was good. Uh, yeah, you, whatever you know. The further and further he can leave Princess Diaries behind, I guess the better for him. Oh, he was in Princess Diaries. I forgot about that. <laughs> well, you, gotta get, you, gotta get, you have to start someplace. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I guess Anne Hathaway has kind of left that beside. Left that. Girl. Oh, yes, she has. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Uh, Oscars notwithstanding, but uh, right. Oscar show, <laughs> right? <laughs> definitely not. Well, <laughs> go ahead. Give us the next piece. Uh, this, this one I really is, want to get your reaction, Larry. Go uh, ahead, uh, Robert. Uh-oh. Robert Orsi uh, uh, Trek to react to your criticism of the f- of the first film. Um, in 2009, J.J. Abrams' thrilling Star Trek reboot drew positive reactions from critics and fans alike, but the film wasn't perfect, and there were some issues that bugged f- fans down the line. But ro- writer uh, Robert Orsi promises that he's listening to them, and they will be addressed in the upcoming sequel. Uh, speaking at WonderCon over the weekend, Orsi revealed that having spent time reading fan criticism of the first film, in fact, Orsi was a frequent participant in the, these heated discussions over at Trek Movie while the film right. was playing in theaters was beneficial to his thought process for the upcoming sequel, and he plans to address some of the pesky issues that arose in the first uh, Trek film. As an example, Orsi addressed the general fan complaints that Kirk, Chris Pine, became captain of the Enterprise a little too fast for their taste. As you may recall, Kirk conveniently became the first officer when Captain Pike, played by Bruce Spring. Bruce Greenwood had to go over the Narada when Kirk wasn't even a member of the Enterprise crew in the first place. And then de facto captain when Spock, uh, played by Zachary Quinto, was relieved of his command in a matter of what could be guessed were mere hours. Kirk was then offered official command of the Enterprise soon after. Robert Orsi hypothesized a situation where a character Kirk character goes up to Kirk and says, you sure may become Captain Fast. I do see what fans think online very much in Star Trek. It is a sequel that you can generally say that the fans are consultants on. Now they're caught up with us. They know exactly what the first movie was, and any one of them go out now and generate a couple of the story ideas for what this could be. So it's a fun guessing game, and you do get to incorporate some of the complaints. You can't just answer them, but voice them in the movie. I enjoy that. I, I enjoy seeing what people say, even if it's super nasty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and you know anybody that's followed all that the last three or four years uh, before and after that movie knows that it, it, it gets fans are fans and there's the uh, 
flamer nasty contingent out there. But yeah, uh, what's funny? Those two or three things. You know, the the brewery. Did you mention the brewery engineering? That was not uh, in the article, but that's a, that that. I wonder if that'll be addressed too. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's. They've more than all, ex, you know, acknowledged that. I mean, I, I know that Scott Chambliss had a engineering set designed, and then they they totally said, we can spend this money, or we can put a little bit more into the effects, and they decided to do that, and they thought, well, we'll we'll go here, and then they, I think they got the Budweiser plant, and that's why, uh, you know, when Uhura when Uhura orders the drinks in the bar early on, it was just going to say two Earth beers. I think we did a little project, a little uh, product uh, placement there. Uh, they <laughs> got some kind of a deal on the brewery that because it was a Budweiser a Budweiser brewery, but uh, that's come back to haunt them a little bit. Hopefully, not hasn't you know wounded the new franchise. But that was that was one I think was almost universal. And uh, you know the bit about Kirk being uh, promoted early, I, I some people that smacked him in the face right off. It didn't hit me so so badly, and then it, it dawned on me a little bit later. Yes, and I saw people complaining, and then I saw. I think Bob or somebody said, well, you know what? That's just because that's just James D. Kirk and he's one in a billion and nobody else would have had that happen to them. And I thought, well, that's, you know, that's how that's texture. That's you retrofit stuff. And that's that's where you go with it. But he's talking about saying, Jesus Christ, you sure got promoted fast. Shut up. You know, kind of a thing, <laughs> uh, which would be kind of fun. But, yeah, I that they said all along their quote unquote Supreme Court ranged from, I think, Brian Burke, who obviously is a is a great talented producer and worked with JJ and all the rest of them on different projects, but had no, not a Star Trek bone in his body all the way through to different levels and JJ kind of middling. And then Alex was uh, a next gen fan and Bob was, you know, died in the wool from original series on. And, um, you know, there, there's a little, I don't want to say a committee. So I damn it, you know, like a camel is a horse designed by a committee. Cause it certainly wasn't a, a camel horse movie. But though things like that, the give and play, give and take, and the play of things happen, and um, they're not all the same. And I know Bob is very, very fan oriented. He's the one, if you notice, is the one that's kind of out on the edge, and he's the one that jumps into the Trek movie and other places and does that. And he's the one talking about it now. So, uh, you know, he's the best friend that fans, quote unquote, could have on that inner circle. And when he's talking like that, I think it's uh, a deal. The the long interview I had with him. Uh, I, I was asking about the next movie, and this is way before they were starting on the script and didn't really have it nailed down. But I said, I think the thing that's the biggest thing out of it is the first movie, as much as a fun ride as everybody enjoys it for, once you get your head wrapped around, not the reboot, but the alternate timeline, uh, that and the queasy feeling when you see Spock and Uhura kissing, which I think is another thing people raise Billy Ned with. The other thing is that it winds up being, as much fun as it is, from one thing to the next. It's like we got out of this hoop and we're in the – and I said the one thing I think was a little bit of the Star Trek heart, you know, the Roddenberry vision Star Trek heart thing. And he said, yeah, that's one thing we need to make sure we have. And I've seen some things recently where he's talked about uh, Star Trek spirit or something. And I, I think that's kind of over – because if you think about it, this is a lot – echoes a lot of the first movie. Because the half of the motion picture was about getting the crew back together, and this is this they had to reintroduce the crew in the last one. The first real plot, standalone, no excuses. We stand up, square one, bang, we're into a story. Was Wrath of Khan, and right. that's really where they are. This number two's movie may be a tougher one to write than the first one. So, right, if you if you get what I'm saying, so. Well, and if we and, and since we enjoyed the first one so much, hopefully as a sophomore release to this, it's uh, going to be uh, it's going to take us for the same type of ride that Wrath of Khan did. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want to draw your little uh, historical parallels there, yeah. But, you know, the old thing about, oh, the sequel, sequelitis, and, you know, suffers and all that, it's not quite the same when you've got something everybody knows. And at least, you know, in the in J.J. Trek, we knew the characters. We didn't know how the actors would play, and we didn't know what they were going to tinker with on the background. But you knew the characters. You knew the general vibe of things. You knew what Starfleet and Federation and Phasers and blah, blah, blah all did. So it's almost like history repeating itself. A third of the movie was about just getting it set up. So your adventure was only like, you know, two thirds. And so and even, you know, people criticize Nero for being kind of two dimensional. Well, there were a lot of his scenes, you know, cut on the cut on left on the editing room floor, on the cutting room floor. So this is more of a you almost say the same thing about V'ger as a, you know, non humanoid villain. <laughs> so hopefully, yeah, hopefully if, you know, I mean, they would love for it to strike twice. And, you know, no matter who's done a movie over the years, they always go back to Wrath of Khan and Khan and Ricardo Montalban and the way that just all came together. And they started off on a cheap TV budget trying to recoup from the first movie being so overrun. And, and for them to have come out of the, you know, the kind of the humble beginnings that Wrath of Khan did and, and their budget they were looking at and now be the movie that everybody judges everything else against, you know, overall. Um, it's funny how Khan is always that bar and, uh, they're, and, and they're still in the same game doing it. So hopefully, you know, knock wood, knock for Micah. Yeah. Larry, you might find this interesting. Um, at Shore Leave two years ago, I went to a panel uh, that was uh, held by the, uh, a lot of the Star Trek novel authors. And for the most part, most of them liked the new movie and were able to defend some of the controversial choices that were made in the movie. Um, I mean, they, they, you know, yeah. they were almost uh, just said, well – like the whole Spock and Uhura thing, they would say like, well, if you remember the original series, there was a little mm-hmm. bit of flirtation going between mm-hmm. Spock and Uhura. You know, I mean, they're, they're, I mean, and so sort of made it plausible, um, some of the choices they made. So, um, Yeah. Well, if you're – once they make that choice – now, I've got my quibble with the basic choice. Not that they – I think they did it wonderfully. Mm-hmm. But it, once you go with the choice of saying, you know what, we don't want to mess with the prime timeline right now in any era – we want to go back and play with our original guys and have the freedom to tweak a few things mm-hmm. and uh, instead of trying to rigidly fill in the gaps, which I, I'm sorry. I think is still easily doable. But knowing how politics and how the Hollywood machine and how the best laid plans sometimes get, you know, <laughs> get, get battered and bruised, uh, it, was, it was a smart thing for them to do that way. And once they say this is an alternate timeline, here's our departure point, bang. You know, okay, then then it's a matter of making choices. And and the Spock Uhura thing was the one part of that movie that I had not had leaked to me or had any advance notice of as far as a big picture idea. And I was really it was like watching, you know, incest or something. I don't know. It was like <laughs> it was really it was like queasy. It was like, oh, okay. And I, it took me two or three times to really I mean, I was like, yay, this uh you know I I'll I'll be honest, the last four all the next-gen movies, I was in a front-row seat to cover them because I was doing my book. I was doing chapters, and I remember thinking, when, especially with the last two, with Insurrection Nemesis, when a lot of the criticisms came out, I was able to see that. But I thought, you know what? I would almost die to be able to walk into a Trek movie totally – it's almost impossible to be totally blank to it – but totally a clean slate and see it from square one you know, on movie night. And I pretty much had that you know, chance this time around. And boy, that was a visceral reaction I'll never forget. But by the third or fourth movie, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, there's, she, she sings to him. Who's the only other person that played Spock's Vulcan Lyrette besides Spock? Mm-hmm. 
you know, Uhura. And she sings to him a couple of times, like, you know, the bit about the how many moons does Vulcan have? Vulcan has no moon. Well, I can see why, you know. So I got and, – and the show, I, I talked to her a little bit about it and she was like, oh, yeah, she did the same thing. So – but I know that there's a ton of – I think in Anthony's poll at Trek movie, I think that and the Budweiser engineering <laughs> are the two things that people are hottest about that they don't want to see back. So, you know, who knows what they, what yeah. they do with it. Yeah, who knows where they'll go. But the writer yeah. said, well, look, we got the origin story out of the way. Now they can really take off and tell their, tell their own stories now. Right, right. Now I that- think there was – Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say. I was just going to say. And now the discussion today, I think, came out is you know who's this villain going to be again? I don't know if you saw that come through the news today or not, Larry. But they're just talking about whether this becomes a concept or idea becomes a villain more than an actual villain itself. Well, yeah. So you have uh, what, like uh, Star Trek Four, the whales and and the time displacement and everything, and the probe. Right. I mean, I think that was probably maybe an improve. I mean. V'ger and motion picture take a lot of knocks, so I hate to jump on the bandwagon on that. A lot of people love that and say it's, it's the most purely science fictiony of the of the Star Treks. But either way, you know, there's room to have a. You don't have to have a humanoid. You know, I mean, like I said, Khan is the easy target, and everybody loves to go hang their hat on that. But um, the, the fact that they're thinking outside the box like that just just is, gives me a lot of heart. What I hated to hear was a few months ago. And I swear it's like 24-7 cable news. I think these people just drum up stuff to have you know, crap to fill time with. This whole thing about, uh, oh, no, it's the, alternate, it's the uh, alternate timeline. So we should like just do Wrath of Khan and search for Spock. Only oh, do yeah. them for an alternate. It's like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah. That would be not only boring but predictably boring. You know, it's like the, you know, if you want to have Khan as a sidebar or you want to have any of these things as sidebars, great. But don't. Don't just retell the movie, you know, and use blue instead of green lighting. I mean, you know, don't just, <laughs> you know, do it from a different stand over here and hold your camera instead of standing over here holding your camera. I mean, it's like no, you know, play with that stuff, but don't. That would be silly. So I and I couldn't believe they would sell themselves out to be so predictable. And, and they're obviously not. That was just a lot of, I think, passing, you know, jabber and gab. Right. Right. But, uh, yeah. Well, so you know. No. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of a maybe a maybe a tie-in and not, but you know, what do you think about um, oh uh, Leonard Nimoy, who has been retired, quote unquote, for a year, suddenly becoming unretired? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, come on, I, I could have called that when he said, "Oh, I'm retiring." You know, he did Fringe, and that's it. A couple mm-hmm. cons, and now he's back in the convention circuit right. again this year. He's yeah. he's lined up to do a voice for one of the Transformers in Transformers Three, yeah. yep. and and you know by God it would not surprise me one bit if we saw him in Star Trek Two. I think here's the thing, and I think everybody's being very generous with Leonard, Leonard but you know it's here you know he had surgery last year and he's bound apparently bounded back from it. He's doing conventions. I think he may have seen, and I don't mean to be morbid, I think he may have seen, hey, I'm almost 80, and I'm getting too old for this. And if I, if they, I let them talk me into doing um, Spock one more time, put the ears on. I always love how they say that. <laughs> I'm going to put the ears on. This is the first time he's put the ears on since 1991. Right. <laughs> and and, uh, and then they, they had him on Fringe, and he's going back and doing some more Fringes too. But at the time, I think he saw that as maybe his victory lap, and then he would just kind of go quietly into the good night. You know, right. and not to be morbid or anything, but just, and and at the time, you know, he may have been not feeling as well, right? 
and uh, and just saw that. He, but between the reaction to that, and he also said it was going to be the last year he did conventions. Right. And I don't think he went into that with some crass marketing idea, ploy. <laughs> oh, no, I am back. Ha-ha. Yeah. You know. Uh, and now I out think, of retirement. Right, right. <laughs> uh, never said, you know, it's not like the, jeez, uh, um, gone blank, quarterback for the Packers. And then oh, yeah. Oh, Favre, wait, wait. Brett Favre. Yeah, yeah. It's not like he's like trying to be the Brett Favre of Star Trek or anything. Right, right. Or the Garth Brooks. But, now out of retirement. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he's really so much fun. He, he, maybe he's having now he's having a lot of fun, and so that's why you know. I think he's had great reaction. I think he's probably feeling better, and I, you know, he's it's kind of like inching your way across the ice on a frozen pond. But I think he's feeling he may be feeling more secure, and everybody's obviously you know encouraging him on. And um, I, you know, I don't know the, the sidebar thing is: are they going to find some little wacky way to get Shatner and his Kirk in this movie or not? Oh, which yeah. is another one of those little residual things. And I think if nothing else, now he has to figure out he's got to hang on to take to, to, to sling back all the crap that Shatner gave him last time around, you know, for being <laughs> for being in when he wasn't. So right, I I just honestly I don't see how they could bring Shatner back. Yeah, it's I mean they killed him. I mean um, unless unless they, I just there's no way. Well, now guys, come on, you got you know flashbacks or images or oh you know, I, I I know you know, I, I a scene that has nothing to do with anything, but. You know, right, right. And, and now that you say that, I mean, what they could do is with, with CGI and making older actors look 20, 30 years younger now. I mean, uh, oh, yeah. Jeff it, Bridges and Tron. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, I, OK, I take that back. I guess they could. But I just <laughs> wow. I just don't know how they would do that because they killed them off. You're um, saying never say never in Star Trek. Yeah, you, I, I, you yeah. ought to be ashamed of yourself. Well, I should have learned this from the X Files because back in the X Files day, the oh they killed him off and the character would be back next season. Yeah, yeah. So same, same, same principle. Whatever. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to eat my words. The, 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 the full original cast will be back. Oh, but Scotty, you watch. Yeah. I'm just no, thinking, I'm you know what they do on uh, on Futurama for the? They just have Scotty's uh, his, his head's mute in the jar. But right, anyway. right, <laughs> right. Oh gosh! <laughs> <laughs> but he's uh, there in spirit. Oh man! Well, any any other Star Trek news here we should talk about? I know you mentioned the sweepstakes. Mm-hmm. We did talk about that a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that. Uh, Faye, do, do you uh, do you have an iPad at all, Larry? An iPad? Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, oh, no, you, not an iPad. No, no, no. I'm, I'm thinking about getting one, but yeah, okay. not right now. Now, there, there's a story that came through in the Daily, which is the, I guess, the the classic iPad news app um, <laughs> that actually focused on, um, a, it was called Americana Filming the Nation, and they did a little a stint on Phase 2. Oh, okay. So they did a little interview clip, and maybe I'll throw that in here sometime. But, but yeah, so they, that, that was the only other news story that I had other than that. That they kind of gave a four-minute props to. Uh, I guess they're into their ninth little feature, ninth little episode for them. Yeah, that's amazing. It's uh, you know the the times I got to go out and see them. It's been it's been three or four years now. I, we talked about something last year, but it, it, we didn't get to work it out. But it, I would love to go back over with them, or if any of the other uh, fan film guys, the Farragut guys down in uh, in well, they're all over, but. Uh, uh, there's actually a little vignette of me that I'm so proud of that's floating around. They did five or six vignette little short things one year, and I think they only got one or two of them put together. And I so hope someday it, it comes to light because I had a blast. I, I won't say anything more about it than I was in my favorite alien guys under makeup, and it was kind of like my f- – I don't get to have a lot of fanboy moments anymore, but that was one of them that oh, day. Wow. And I 
and I hope it I hope it comes to light, and that's all I'll say because I don't want to I don't want to spoil it. But um, but yeah, they're really um, really setting the bar and moving forward, and and nobody's burning out. The the fact that they're able to you know that James and all that gang is able to uh, stay at such a high pitch and, and keep going at it and finding really good stuff to mine and people who you know had a had a professional foot in Star Trek over the years that stay want to you know want to be involved in one way or another. That's kind of, yeah, that's kind of cool. And Star Trek yeah. Phoenix is out there too. Yeah, oh, you know, I, I hate to start talking because I'll leave people out, but Phoenix and uh, uh, Hidden Frontier, and um, there, and there's there's uh, the group in Scotland. There's a group in Germany. Oh, yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. And there are some. I think there's starting to be some. And I'm going to sound way out of it. People are going to yell and scream at me now. But uh, there's some like next generation. Uh, era things for the you know they're not just doing plywood i mean they've got to do f- formed plastic for their sets you know um right. uh some next gen era uh folk and i think i actually saw an an archer era you oh, know a okay. late an earth era uh, uh group getting started I think, uh, in some in some fashion yeah yeah i think they, there, there was one called uh, star trek romulan wars I, I don't know if that's the one you're referring to but it might be that yeah 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 well, um, Larry, thank you so much for sitting here and chatting with us in a sci-fi diner tonight and talking about track oh. and talking about what's going on in your world. Guys, thank you so much for, for having me on. I, uh, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I always love it. I always love shooting the bull, uh, even, even long distance. But uh, No, it's very good. I, we, we certainly hope to uh, see you in person someday, that's for sure. Yeah, we're going to get you to the East Coast yeah. sometime. Yeah, we got to work on that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. One of the one of the good cons back east. Uh, but uh, you know, short of that, I just say, hey, you know, treklandblog.com and and larrynimichek.com. And uh, I'm actually, oh, I should also mention this as I do a Star Trek, but I'm ac- I'm getting back into uh, some legit acting, and I've got a webisode coming up called Divine White's Intro. I should throw that out there too. I play a. Um, a redneck social marketing whiz for some British acting students. That's oh, nice. <laughs> it's a very colorful character. <laughs> oh, nothing like breaking into stereotypes there. That's great. There you go. There you go. That's so that's great. called Divine White's Intro to Hollywood. So my uh, one-time assistant, one-time director will love it that I mentioned it over here too. So look awesome. for that. Well, uh, and there's, there's, do you have links in your site for that? Yeah, yeah, that's okay. coming. Um, uh, I've got to get those up, but uh, they'll be coming up pretty soon. All right. Well, awesome. Well, thank you again for sitting down and chatting with us about all sorts of things, and we appreciate you taking your time. Oh, good, Scott. And hopefully, yeah, we'll see you, and if not you, all the listeners out on the contrail. This the contrail. <laughs> the contrail. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, yeah, this summer. So um, that'll be a hoot. <laughs> all right. Thanks a lot, Larry. Good okay, night. take it easy. Hey, right. Larry. Well, I really enjoyed our talk with Larry. I did too. Yeah, it was a really good talk. Mm -hmm. Um, And and we're about ready to wrap up the show then. It's about that time. But we have a sci-fi five and five. Now, I have no clue what you're doing, Miles, because it's not in my list. Well, so make sure you drop it there eventually. Okay, but, but uh, so tell us what is our sci-fi five and five going to be about, Miles? These are five movies that I am really looking forward to uh, this summer, um, and you'll understand. They're, well, yeah, I guess they are kind of a particular order. Uh, Green Lantern, 
Just saw the, the new trailer for that recently. Now, is it, we're starting at five and working to one. Yes. Okay, so number so, five is, is Green, Lan- Green Lantern. Look yeah, they forward. have the extended trailer out now, right? Right. Right. And so uh, that look, uh, now I'm more jazzed about that. Uh, Thor, definitely want to see Thor. Yes, that looks really good. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Transformers 3 has really started to really intrigue me more. The only reason you're saying is the moment, the moment you found out that Leonard Nimoy was going to be voicing one of the robots, you were there. Well, I'm definitely there now. I mean, yeah. yes. I mean, yeah. uh, you I'm know. surprised it didn't push it to number one for you. Yeah. Um, the second, n- number two would be X Men First Class. Oh, uh, yeah. I can't wait to see that. And and number one, uh, this may surprise some people, but I am really jazzed to see Captain America. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm. I'm becoming more excited about Captain America every time I hear something about it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. You know, another sci-fi five and five that we have to do sometime is yes. is our top five podcasts that we listen to beyond the sci-fi diner. All right. That would be a great one to do sometime. Sure. So we can list all sorts of uh, sci-fi love there. Oh, yeah. That would be good. So, <clears throat> well, um, I think that about does it. It's been a really good evening, Miles. It Interesting has. evening. And uh, we're, we're very grateful that everyone's joined us on this journey. Mm-hmm. And uh, but we got to close up the diner and yeah. uh, wipe down the tables and, and and get going. You can find out more about us at the sci-fi diner podcast.com and you can email us any comments or thoughts about anything that we said at the sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com or as always call us at one eight 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 five oh eight four three four three. And Twitter's there, Miles. Your handle on Twitter. I am Son of Warfare Twitter, and I am Hertzog on Twitter as well as Sci-Fi Diner. Really, the Sci-Fi Diner is where you want to be mm-hmm. if you want to follow us. And we have a Facebook fan page at facebook.com backslash Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. And we have 207 people that are a, a very active community. We do. We have a we have a very thriving uh, conversation and uh, very time. vocal, very opinionated, which we, which we love. Yeah, we absolutely. Adore that. Yes. Yeah. And that's about it, Miles. Well, okay. Until next time, good night and good luck. We are going to see ya.
You can find more great podcasts at lifestylepodnetwork.com.au.